0: Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International.
1: Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan and I serve as the Connections Pastor here at Journey. Uh, Sunday was message four in the new series that's been titled uh, Jesus and Spiritual Foundations. Um, We're still in Matthew chapter 7. And the message this week is called False Prophets. Welcome um, from wherever you're listening, in the Kansas City area or beyond. We know we've got many great listeners listening uh, throughout the United States and, and even outside, which is awesome. We always encourage you to check out uh, this week's sermon as we will be kind of highlighting it and talking about aspects of it. So if you haven't watched it, you can jump on the JCI app, uh, you can uh, check it out and search it on YouTube or our takethejourney.cc website. Uh, we're glad you're here and hopefully we can uh, encourage you and activate your faith. The series' premise has been to learn the foundational beliefs that followers of Jesus embrace as their spiritual worldview. Pastor Christian, this week is one of our favorite weeks. Jam week is what we call it. Many people call it names like vacation Bible school. Kids are having a great time. As we stood on the sidewalk high-fiving kids the last few days as they came in, can you tell me what it was, what it does for you and your heart to see kids excited to come to church and learn about Jesus?
0: So I've I've been able to meet with all the um, our vacation Bible school our Jam Week leaders uh, each morning and just unpack some of the biblical truth about Jesus and children specifically, or men and women who were used greatly in Scripture who began their faith journey as a child. And I think if you if you just go back and read Scripture through the lens of those that God used greatly, whose hearts were developed really, really young. I think you see the importance of ministering to children and helping them understand who Jesus is, how Jesus loves, the plan that Jesus has for their life. We talked this morning about Mark 9 and 10 in our kind of leadership huddle about Jesus just saying, like, you have to let the children come to me. Like, the kingdom of God is best received In the way that a child receives it. So when you just look at the biblical teaching, you get really excited when you see children excited to come and learn about Jesus. Um, When you look at the statistics, so, you know, statistics 10 years ago said that I think more than 80 percent of Christians in the United States, adult Christians, more than 80% of adult Christians in America came to faith before the age of 13. Uh, At one point when I was doing student ministry, 91% of all followers of Jesus in the United States came to faith in Jesus before the age of 18, which means if you're not following Jesus by the time you graduate from high school, there's only a 9% chance that you will ever change your mind and surrender your heart as an adult to Jesus. So I I think knowing those statistics and knowing how important it is to capture the heart of a child with Jesus before the world has captured their heart and their attention is just so valuable. And then Ryan, our kids team uh, both our ministry team and our church and all of the wonderful volunteers made up of moms and dads and our interns and high school kids and some of our middle school kids and just single adults in our area who have a great heart for kids grandparents in our church who have a great heart for kids i think when you just when you combine all of that it is just a picture of the simple faith i think of what heaven will look like and the tremendous joy and uh, almost innocence that one day we will experience in heaven when we see Jesus through the eyes of a child, like forever and ever, with no outside influence or culture pressing in on or against our souls.
1: You know, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I'm I'm excited to see it. My daughter came home and she was uh, she was doing the dance moves and talking about how much uh, how much fun they had, how much she learned. So I'm really glad that uh, that she's involved. As I mentioned, this week's message is called "False Prophets." Uh, we're in uh, some of the latter verses, um, of Matthew chapter seven. Jesus is, uh, among the list of teachers who, who warned against them. And, uh, you, sh- you share several scriptures that highlight this problem. And through the track of our, our scripture track, uh, in, in what, what is it, what would you say to the amount of scripture? I think sometimes people think, man, does the Bible even talk about this? Uh, um, there's so many. Uh, that, that warn us about this reality. Um, and do you think those old, Old Testament prophets could have imagined all the false teaching that exists today?
0: Yes. Yes. I, I, th- I think, I mean, one, they, they warned about it, but two, they, they lived it in a, they lived it in a society. Let me say it this way. They lived it in a society that was much more religious, much less atheistic. Than ours, so there were i mean there are very few people if you just study history, if you study ancient history, very few people in the days of an Abraham or a Moses or an Isaiah or a Jeremiah who did not worship some God somewhere there there was there was this understanding that there has to be a God somewhere who desires to live in relationship and receive the worship of humanity, and they were all trying to figure out which, which one was which? So I think there was probably more worship of false gods and false prophets in the days of the Old Testament prophets than, than there are today. I think maybe a different question to ask would be, do I think the apostle Paul and Jesus and the early disciples would be, um, would be heartbroken or blown away at the amount of people leveraging a false Christianity, or creating a, a, a cult out of the foundational teaches of Christianity, but, but for their own good, um, today I, I think they would. I, you know, I think there, I think there there would be tremendous mourning in how uh, so many parts of Christianity have been taken and used, mistaken and misused left out, corrupted. Uh, There seems to be just so many versions of Christianity. I mean, so much so that I know a lot of people who've stopped calling themselves Christians because in our country that can mean so many things to so many different people. And they've just started calling themselves Jesus followers because they want to be identified with Jesus and not Christianity. Even though Christianity is a group of people who are following Jesus, there are so many variations of false prophets using Christianity in one way or another, that it's like, listen, I want my primary identity to be Jesus. So I'm going to tell you I'm a Jesus follower, which means I am a Christ one. But of all the – it's like Baskin-Robbins. Like like of the 31 flavors of Christianity you may have experienced and heard about – and have teachers that are using but in a false sense I just want you to know like I'm a Jesus guy I'm, I'm all in I'm all in with Jesus I'm all in on the red letters of Jesus I'm all in on the life and ministry and doctrine of Jesus I'm all I'm all in on that guy so uh Old Testament prophets I think probably saw more false prophets false god idolatry than we have existing in our world today but the I think the the New Testament apostles uh would just they I think they would have been shocked it how at how Christianity has been twisted and turned uh so upside down, people using parts of it, but not all of it, to kind of create their their own version of God. Right in in the first century you you had the Roman gods, you you had some carryover of the Greek gods, and you and you had a lot of Hellenistic uh thought of the day, the philosophical thought, but not very many people tried to wrap Christianity around the Roman gods or wrap Christianity around the Greek gods or wrap Christianity around um, the philosophy of the Aristotles and the Plato's like Christianity kind of stood apart. So I think for the early Christians to realize that everyone has tried to borrow something from Christ from Christianity, but they've done it in a way that has created this false gospel. I, th- I think that would be shocking to uh, the early apostles and disciples of the Christian church.
1: And I would say it was a great reminder as I listened of all the scripture there was, I think as I, as I listened and reviewed these notes, I, I mean from Matthew seven to Deuteronomy 5, uh, thirteen to Isaiah to Second Corinthians eleven. So if you're if you're trying to grow in your knowledge of scripture, which is what we want to happen in someone in the in the scripture track, I was amazed at how much scripture there was. Um, I think too, I mean, if you just study the teaching of Jesus through the Beatitudes,
0: and if you just go back a chapter. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount to Jesus and in her faith, and when you pray and when you fast and when you give uh, you know when you learn to reflect and meditate, when you learn to trust like these are all these these are all things that are non negotiable in faith, and in that same sermon jesus says be like beware of false prophets so to to have a Christianity that is not uh that doesn't have as a headline watch out for false prophets is probably to have a very undeveloped christianity because it was in the headline of jesus first message not buried in the fine print watch out for for false prophets and the word watch out that sometimes is translated beware is literally the it's it's a greek word picture of someone like taking their brain out of their head with their left hand and holding it as far away as they can from something at arm's length from their right hand, it literally is a pick. The word watch out and beware is literally get your mind as far away as you can from this threat. Mm -hmm. And I don't think in the world of Christianity today we are watching out or be watching out for or be be of false prophets i think often we're dabbling in them trying to learn from them trying to trying to be around them instead of getting our our brain as far away as we can from them we're kind of living in community with them and it and it shows a very undeveloped immature faith that jesus in the headlines of his first message is, is a big one yeah. false I, prophets if you want to win spiritually got to know about false prophets get another doctrine and you got you got to learn how to stay away from it.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going to ask a question later that'll kind of help you to unpack that a little bit uh, on a practical basis. Uh, another discipleship track is the Jesus track, right? It's designed to help people to know, love, and, and walk uh, with Jesus daily. In your message, you talk about uh, demonic influence and this false prophet problem and the plans of Satan to create shortcuts to God's plan for our lives. And God's word tells us, right, that Jesus loves us and he wants to lead us daily in our lives. So how can a follower of Jesus daily protect themselves from these false spiritual influences and grow in wisdom? So I would say this. I, I think um,
0: Satan would rather impact how we think than how we live. I mean, when you look at his strategy in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve – Before he even tempted them to sin, he wanted to change the way they thought about God. He wanted to change the way they thought about God's direction. He wanted them to change the way they thought about themselves and what they were owed and what they deserved. And even when you watch Satan and the temptation of Jesus, lots of mind games involved. So does Satan want you to sin? Yes. But more than that, he would like, he would like you to develop a mindset that makes it okay to sin because if, if he can, if he can capture your mind, he knows that your hands will follow. So it's really important to be aware of how Satan works and to protect your mind against false doctrine. So how do you do it? We laid out a couple ways in the message. I think the best way could be analogized this way. So I talked about in the message how before uh, I really felt like God spoke to my heart to to move into ministry, that uh, I wanted to be a, a history and a government uh, teacher. I love history. I love government. On one of my first trips to Washington DC, I love Washington DC and the memorials and just all the, all the learning that you can have. I love going to old cities in the South, like Charleston, where you can walk on streets that look very much the way they did when America was founded. I love going to k- kind of the corners of the, of the Northeast where there's still a lot of what seems like untouched American history that you read about in the history books, which is really, really cool. Um, but when, when I did one of my first, first tours of Washington DC and you go through like the, the FBI building, Federal Bureau of Investigation building and you go through the Secret Service stuff, one of the, one of the things they show you, um, is counterfeit money and the counterfeiting section of, you know, how they're, how they're trained to, Recognize counterfeit money and, and they give you counterfeit bills to look at and they show you how to identify them. Um, and somebody asked a question in a group I was in one time, like, like how, like, how do you, how do you study counterfeit bills to know exactly what to look for? And the secret service agent who was leading us through said, we don't study counterfeit bills. We study the real thing because there's so many different variations of counterfeits that the only way to know them all is to know the real thing. So we spend so much time studying every detail of every dollar bill that can be printed because when you know the real thing inside and out, any any of the slightest variations of color, of texture, of print, like when you know the real thing like the back of your hand, every counterfeit stands out. And I would say, you say, I want to protect my mind from false teachers. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to study the word of God. You've got to keep studying the word of God. You have to understand the heart of God. You have to have the biblical worldview that we're trying to teach about in Matthew chapter seven, because when you have a sound biblical worldview, anything that does not strike the chord of sound biblical worldview sounds off and you recognize it immediately. So part of this message was preparing people to understand, Hey, these are the general areas that false prophets are always going to fall in. They're always going to question the authority of scripture. They're always, they're always going to create something more to salvation than Jesus and maybe put it in your own hands. And they're always going to, they're always going to lower the standard of morality from what the Bible sets But other than that, the greatest way to learn a counterfeit is to learn the real thing. Because no matter what the counterfeit is, if you know the real thing, you know that doesn't sound right. That does not sound like the heart of God through the word of God, the spirit of God in me that grows a little more every time I spend time in worship and in prayer and in spiritual community and and in discipleship groups and in discussion. The Spirit of God in me has been sharpened so much to recognize error that as soon as it presents itself, I catch it and I think that's, um, that's not accurate. That's not true. And you may not have even meant to say it that way, but the way you said it is not really what the Bible says. So just like learning to study counterfeit bills, study the real thing, study, study the Word of God, get to know it inside and outside like the back of your hand. Then it'll be really easy to filter Uh, false teachers. This is why the Apostle Paul, the the verse we closed with in this message was watch your life and your doctrine closely. If you do that, you'll always know when they're getting twisted at all.
1: Uh, Great advice on on how to do that. Uh, The Life Track is where we teach people to apply to their lives what they learn uh, from Scripture, and part of your message that stood out to me was when you were talking about the fruit of a false teacher, and you said it could consist of two things. You said it uh, consisted of their students and, two, their doctrine or teaching. So in this application track, what, what can our listeners do to not fall into this trap of wanting someone to tell them what they want to hear? So I think every Christian has to always
0: get in the habit of asking themselves, what do I think is not fair about what God is doing? What about God's direction? What about God's word? What about following Jesus to me feels not fair? Because that is the primary thought temptation of Satan. As as he walked into the garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, like man, it's not fair that you can't eat from this tree. As he as he kind of, you know, mo- moved in beside Cain, I'm sure his words to Cain were God told him, he's like Satan standing at your door, better be careful. But I'm sure his words to Cain were, it's not fair that God likes Abel more than he likes you. As, no, as Noah went from being a righteous man to a drunk, I'm sure Satan was whispering in his ear, it's not fair that God killed everyone and left you here all by yourself. As Moses went out to rescue some of the Hebrew slaves and killed an Egyptian, I'm sure Satan was whispering in his ear, it's not fair that they are treating him this way. And if you can figure out that area that you're, that you're questioning God, it's not fair. That is an area you are open to false teaching because your spirit is already longing for someone to correct God or God's direction in your life. And I think if you can look at that area where you say it's not, it's not fair that the church through scripture would ask me to give 10% because I've had a difficult time financially. It's not fair that Th- that my pastor won't tell me, go ahead and get a divorce because my husband or wife has been acting like a jerk, even though there's been no marital infidelity. Um, it's not fair that, uh it, you know, my, my pastor won't marry me if I live with my boyfriend or girlfriend before I'm mar- like, find that area where you think it's not fair that that Christianity has this standard. You need to beware because that's an area where you're going to look for someone to tell you uh, you're right it's not fair and I'm sorry. And let's, and let's just change that teaching a little bit. So I think from the application perspective, if we can figure out where that question lies, it's not fair. We can, we can find a soft spot in our spiritual armor where, where we might look for someone to agree with us and sympathize with us, sympathize with us and kind of pat us on the back. Uh, I was with a, a great friend of mine, um, a 20 plus year friend of mine this week. Uh, who's probably an alcoholic. I think he'd probably say that he struggled with alcohol the last, I don't know, decade, 15 years of his life. And, and I was just talking to him about, uh, about his drinking and I said, like, how's that going and have, you know, is alcohol off limits in your life yet? Because you know, like you, you can't, you can't live in this, you can't live in this space. And he said, I have good days and I have bad days. And he said, you know, it's every now and then I just think it's not fair. Why can't I be like everyone else? And I looked at him and because I love him. And when you have a long relationship with people, sometimes you can just kind of cut cut through the soft stuff. I just said, you need to grow up and quit feeling sorry for yourself. Um, having cancer is not fair. Not getting to drink a beer and be like everyone else. Like, Grow up. You're just feeling sorry for yourself. We all have areas in our life where we need to grow up, quit feeling sorry for ourselves. So we need to figure out those areas where we think something's not fair cuz we'll go find a teacher that will agree with us and sympathize with us and help us just kind of slowly drift from god. So that that's a big application point. And then I think what what I did with my friend. If if you've got a lot of relational equity and they can say it back to you, you got to you got to find areas where they are creating spiritual soft spots and warn them. Hey, I don't I don't think that's spiritual wisdom to think that way and talk that way. I think you're being blinded a little bit and I think it could be dangerous I think it could be dangerous to your marriage I think it could be dangerous to your kids I think it could be dangerous to your faith walk so I think the application applying it first to myself and then loving people enough to if if they give you permission uh, like my friend did you know who at the end of it, he's like, you know thank you I needed not a lot of people I would listen to if they said that but you thank you know thanks for being honest with me I know you care about me if you have friends like that. Help them, help them find their soft spots and apply this teaching. False teachers are out there in the world. They're out there in the church. And Jesus said you got to watch out for them because, man, they like they will just rip your soul out of your chest and not allow you to produce
1: what God wants you, wants you to produce. And we all have to be careful. We can be quick to point the finger. We all have an area where we can say, well. Sure we do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's okay for me in this area. Uh, I'm... I'm just going to allow Scripture to tell me what I want to hear here, or I'll listen to someone else that says it's okay. You're not harming anything. We all we all have those areas, for sure. Uh, last question: the the fourth track is the the leadership track, the one where we're hoping to to multiply uh, what people have learned. Uh, our hope is to lead people to to help somebody else with what they've learned. Just like we we hope someone will share this podcast with someone. We yep. we, we hope someone will will uh, disciple someone else. You put together some really great ways on how to identify false prophets in your message. Uh, if you were discipling someone from what you have learned in this area and you've kind of touched on this, what would you encourage them to do as they discern what to read or what to absorb as they're trying to grow in their faith? Man, that is a really good question because this, I mean, this,
0: this message is is pretty academic. You know, I told Danielle as I put it together, I said, man, it doesn't feel like there's a, a ton of heart. It's pretty, it's pretty academic. Um, as, as, a ver, as as compared to really preaching towards someone's heart, you're really preaching towards someone's head. So it's like, how do I take what I've learned and teach it to others? So discipleship is always usually way more about the heart than the head. It's trying to figure out how do you, how do I use my head to impact somebody's heart? And I think I would get into the second portion of the message. So you know, the the first part was um, was kind of da- dangerous. Shepherds, they look they look like good shepherds, but they're not. The second part was bad fruit. And I think it, from a discipleship perspective, uh, the fruit of your life tells you the source of your life. So Jesus said, like, um, you know, a, like a grapevine doesn't produce figs, and if like figs don't like, if you can see the fruit. You can tell what kind of tree it is. The, the fruit is oranges, that's an orange tree. The fruit is apples, that's an apple tree. The the fruit is uh, grapes, that you know, that's a that's a grapevine. And and the same thing is opposite. The 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 fruit is thorns, the fruit is briars. You can tell you like those are wheat. What part of your life currently seems to be producing way more thorns and briars? What part of your life spiritually seems to be prickly. And where is that coming from? Because it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. It's not coming from good doctrine. It's not coming from healthy sp- spiritual community. It's not coming from being a part of a great church. Like, if you can reverse engineer your, your bad fruit, if you can take the, the parts of your spirit that you wish didn't exist anymore, and you could go back to not just the root, but the seed, You're gonna find memories or experiences. You're probably gonna find pain, hurt, fear, shame that you have, that you have covered over instead of digging out. And there's this thing in your life now that, that either lashes out or protects way too deeply that doesn't allow the spirit to produce the fruit that it wants to produce in you. So I think from a discipleship perspective of helping somebody become more like Jesus so they could help somebody become more like Jesus, you, you gotta find the thorny, prickly parts of their life and say, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna trace that all the way back to the root and we're gonna deal with the root because discipleship is not about polishing the outside. As a matter of fact, that like this whole sermon on the mount is against polishing the outside without dealing with the inside. Jesus would call these Pharisees whitewashed tombs. You are the most beautiful tombstone in the graveyard, but like underneath you is death. So like we, we're we trying to get past just looking good on the outside and we're trying to do the hard work on the inside. And that really is discipleship, not helping somebody clean up on the outside, but helping someone at the heart level get to the source of pain, fear, shame, sin, anything that produces bad fruit. So I think one of the discipleship emphasis of this sermon for me, and I think one of our reflection questions is, hey, where where is, where is there bad fruit in your life? And how do you, how do you go dig those weeds out and then plant good grass and begin to water and nurture and take care of that grass? That would be a good discipleship conversation to have from, from this message. Why do you get angry so fast? Why are you still so hurt about? Why, why do you avoid them when you pass in the hallway? Why are you so distrustful of everyone? Why are you afraid that you're going to go broke again? Like ask those, those, those questions that, like you can tell it's people are a little prickly in that area. Let's, let's go all the way to the root of that because there's some discipleship growth behind that, behind those briars if we can get to it without getting our arms cut off.
1: You know, this has uh, been a great series. Um, I hope if you're listening that you'll go back and, and listen to this message again, because as I, as I reviewed it and looked it over, man, I was thankful that we're learning this stuff, um, uh, because now and in the future, we're going to continue to see a bombardment of this. And it's going to be really good that we are equipped with the knowledge to be able to discern these really important truths. Pastor Christian, thanks for, uh, more insight and into your message, into how to apply it. We want to thank you for, for listening today. If you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, as always, we hope you will uh, uh, tag this, uh, share it with somebody, rate it. It helps us to, uh, continue to get the word out, uh, for this, uh, tool that we believe can really help some people. If you're in town, come see us in person. We'd love to have you at one of our in-person services out in Lee Summit. You can always catch us online. Um, we're, we're honored to have so many people tuning in from around the world. We love to hear how God's working in your life. Or if you have a, a question, always want to mention you can email us at activate at takethhejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at TakeTheJourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.